How patient are you? How patient are you with, with the people who have different opinions? We could stop right there, couldn't we? How patient are you with people who, whose personality, personalities irritate you? How patient are you when someone tells you the same story for the third time? How patient are you when people interrupt you? How patient are you when you're waiting in line to go into a grocery store? How patient are you when you're waiting in a line to leave a grocery store? Do you drive by a grocery store assessing the length of the line and either park and line up or say forget it and go to the next closest store until you find a line that offers an acceptable waiting time even though you've just wasted all this time trying to find a place where you're not wasting your time? How patient are you with your family now that you've been sheltered at home for over 40 days? Let me put that in perspective. That's more time than Jesus wandered around in the wilderness. How patient are you with yourself now that you've worn the same sweatpants for over 40 days? How patient are you when preachers ask too many questions? In the olden days, dating way back to the BC times, that's before... COVID-19, a lack of time was our greatest enemy when it came to practicing patience. You know, time became a, a commodity. We spent time, we bought time, we saved time, we wasted time, we managed time, and we invested time. And that's why we often thought and perhaps even said things like, stop wasting my time, or this is a waste of time. But with, with COVID-19, things have changed, at least for now. You know, people are experiencing the, the feeling that time has slowed down. They sense their days have become longer. In, in other words, our, our changed experience has actually changed our perception of time. It's like we're all on summer holidays in grade six all over again, except we can't go fishing or hang out with our friends. At the same time, we have this niggling frustration in the back of our minds. We know that all this time that we now possess isn't going to last. But we also worry that it might last too long. We know that everything has changed, but we don't know how long or how lasting those changes will be. In other words, we're all waiting. And even though some of us have more time, no one wants to spend it waiting. To our way of thinking, waiting is a waste of time. After all, we had plans. We had timetables. We had places to go and people to see. And places to go, people to see. I've never thought of that phrase before. You know, we, we use it to tell people to hurry up and get out of our way. But, but think about it. Places to go, people to see. Right now, that, that phrase is sheer poetry. It, it embodies all that we long for in this moment. Life may be simpler because it's, it's more restricted with less options. And some of us are enjoying aspects of this new relaxed way of spending our time. But still, this cloud of waiting hangs in the air. We're waiting for the curve to flatten. 
We're waiting for the vaccine that may or may not come. We're waiting for our homes to become places of gathering instead of places of isolation. We're waiting for the two meters to collapse into an embrace of the ones we love and miss. So, so no matter how much time some of us presently have, it doesn't change the fact that we're all waiting. And if we're all waiting, it follows that we also all need more patience. Now, I, I can say that because one of the greatest indications of, of Christian maturity Right up there with love is patience. In fact, the first characteristic of love in 1 Corinthians 13 is that love is patient. Love is patient. Love can wait. Love is in no hurry. Richard Hendricks has said, Second only to suffering, waiting may be the greatest teacher and trainer in godliness maturity, and genuine spirituality most of us ever encounter. Let me remind you of, of the text for our cultivating series. Once again, Galatians 5, and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The word translated as patience in Galatians 5 literally means to be long-tempered. For some reason, short-tempered remains in the English language today, but long-tempered never stuck. It never became the word of the year. In older translations, patience was translated as long-suffering. I still like that phrase. I still use it in my prayer journal. It's so descriptive. But more recently, English translations use the word forbearance. But if we really want to get the richness of all that Paul's trying to communicate through this Greek word, we need both of these ideas to work in tandem. The idea of long-suffering and forbearance has to be in the back of our minds as we think about patience. Patience as one of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit means that we have the ability to endure for a long time whatever opposition and suffering may come our way and to show perseverance without seeking retaliation or revenge. It also includes the ability to put up with the weaknesses and the eccentricities of others. To show forbearance towards them without getting irritated or angry. As you can see by these definitions, patience is not for the faint of heart. It requires strength and stamina and self-control. It doesn't come naturally to us, which is why we need the spirit of God's activity in our lives before we can even hope to grow in our patience. Now, like all the other fruits of the Spirit, we find the perfect example and source of the kind of patience that we're talking about in God himself. God is patient with us. In Psalm 103, verse 8, the psalmist writes, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. God doesn't seem to be in a hurry. Because of his compassion and grace, he's slow to anger. 
He doesn't force us or push us around. Instead, he chooses to wait patiently for us to respond to him. God has a different timetable. In 2 Peter we read, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I often see this passage getting misused. You know, we talk about a thousand years being like a day and a day being like a thousand years with God. And usually we're trying to convince ourselves to be patient and waiting for God to answer our prayers. People say things like, remember a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years with the Lord. So his timing is perfect and be patient and wait. And it's true God's timing is perfect. It's also true that we must learn how to wait on God. But that's not what this passage is talking about. It's not the focus. The point Peter is trying to make is that God is patient. God hasn't wrapped things up yet because he's wanting us to come to him. God is giving us time and opportunity to come to him. God is patient. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. God continues to extend his offer of mercy to us. He he puts up with our rebellion and our sin and our ignorance because he doesn't want us to perish. Yahweh doesn't want us to spend eternity separated from him. He isn't interested in social distancing any more than we are. One day he will put all things right and remove everything that is broken, but for now he waits. Actually, he not only waits, he acts and waits. You know, when it comes to God's patience, we need to put it in the context of the cross. The cross is a startling and humbling reminder of the length that God has gone to with his patience. I can't think of a greater image of long-suffering than Jesus hanging on the cross. Yahweh's patience is so vast that he uses our own sin, the very sin that put Jesus on the cross, to be the means by which he can, we can then experience his love and forgiveness. He uses our impatience with him to be the means of expressing his patience towards us. That's the kind of patience we receive from him, and it's also the kind of patience he wants to develop in us. You see, the the patience that is developed in us through our yielding to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives isn't just patience for patience' sake. I don't think most of us would have patience for patience' sake. (laughs) Just for patience' sake. There's an object to the type of patience, and the object is others. The kind of patience we're to express is a patience towards others for their benefit. You know, think about God's patience for a moment. And God's patience always has a purpose. Peter's already pointed that out to us. He is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He wants everyone to come to repentance. He he wants everyone to return to him, to know him, and to receive his love. 
His patience is for the benefit of others. Paul, using himself as an example, states, But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Paul says that Jesus displays his immense patience with him to show the possibility of God forgiving and receiving anyone. And remember that Paul was once an enemy of the church and and the persecutor of God's people. So, So God's patience has a goal. It's to bring people to faith so they can enter into new life with him. And Paul saw himself as the poster boy for that very process. If that's what biblical patience looks like, then then what's the opposite of patience? Is it just impatience? That would be kind of a cheat of an answer, wouldn't it? It's being judgmental and unforgiving. That's the opposite of patience in this context. When we talk about being judgmental, I'm not talking about, or what I'm talking about is a lack of grace. I'm talking about pointing fingers instead of coming alongside someone and loving them. I'm talking about writing someone off and thinking the worst of them. I'm talking about looking down on someone rather than identifying with them. I'm talking about being quick to anger. In Romans 2 verses 1 through 4, Paul writes, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whichever point you judge the other... You are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the richness of his kindness, tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? Paul asks God's people a simple question. What are you doing judging others? What are you doing judging other people? Now, let me make a qualification here. God's word is clear. Jesus indicates that we should judge a tree by its fruit. So, So we need to be discerning. We need to make assessment of our own spiritual condition and that of others. All these things are essential to our own spiritual health and the health of those around us. So Paul isn't talking about mere spiritual assessments here. He's talking about being judgmental, which is something completely different. What Paul's addressing is an arrogant, superior, better-than-you attitude. That, that has nothing to do with being patient and has everything to do with being prideful. It isn't other-focused, it's me-focused. To those who were harboring that kind of a better-than-you attitude, Paul makes a sobering observation. Paul says, you are judging the very people that God is being patient with. Think about that. You are passing judgment on somebody that God is showing tolerance. You are condemning someone that God is being kind towards because in his patience and kindness, he's trying to lead them to repentance. 
In other words, by your attitude and actions, you're working at odds against the plans and intentions of Christ. That's what he's telling the church in this passage. Do you have a problem judging other people? Most of us do. If you do, let me encourage you to stop it. I say that without judgment. In Paul's passage here, he gives us five reasons that we shouldn't judge others. First of all, we, when we judge others, God will judge us. In verse 1, Paul says, At whatever point you judge the others, you are condemning yourself. It's as if God is saying, You want to be judged? Fine. Just be aware that I will condemn you in the same way that you're condemning someone else. I will judge you by your measuring stick, not mine. Second, we do many of the same things that we judge in others. Verse 1 again. For whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Have you ever observed that the sins we tend to notice most in others, the sins that tend to to bother us the most, to irritate us the most, are the very sins that we have trouble with ourselves? It's been my experience. Think about it. Third, we shouldn't judge others because we don't know the whole truth. Verse 2 says, Now we know that God judges against those who do such things is based on truth. God's judgment, uh, sorry, against those who do such things is based on truth. Only God has the whole truth. And that's why his judgment is always perfect. Our judgment's based on observations and half-truths and impressions and self-interest and sometimes gossip and prejudice. Regardless of how hard we try, we can never know all there is to know about a situation. So we need to be slow to come to any conclusions. Fourth, we are mere humans. We shouldn't judge people because we're mere humans. In verse 3, Paul says, So when you, a mere human being, passes pass judgment on them, and yet do the same thing, do you think you will escape God's judgment? It's not our place to stand in judgment of other people. Only God has the authority to judge. He's our creator. He's he's perfect. He's all-knowing. He's ever-present. He has the character, the nature, and the credentials to judge. We overstep our authority when we judge. James puts it this way. He says, There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Finally, when... We judge others for judging God. We stand in judgment of God. Paul says in verse 4, Or do you show contempt for the richness of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? This is a scary verse when you start to think about it. By judging others, we show contempt for the very grace, kindness, and patience we ourselves enjoy. It's like we're saying, Lord, I understand why you're gracious to me. I deserve it. But Joe over there, he's a lost cause, and you're making a mistake at extending grace towards them. 
When we judge others, we call into question God's kindness and patience. In case you're wondering, that's never a good idea. Instead of judging others, we're to have patience with them. What does it mean to have patience with someone? It means to forgive them and to give them space and opportunity to grow and change. Patience and forgiveness go together. Matthew 18, Jesus tells the parable of the unmerciful or the ungrateful servant. Starting at verse 33, we read, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. That's more money than anyone can ever pay back in a lifetime. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all that he had, be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Now you know the rest of the story, right? Notice that the servant says to the king, be patient with me. And this is the same word that Paul uses in Galatians 5. How does the king show his patience? He forgives the debt. He overlooks what was owed. He extends mercy, not judgment. That's what it means to be patient with others. We forgive, we extend mercy, not judgment. I skipped the whole point of the parable here, but don't miss the point of the parable. The purpose was that he goes along with us and, and puts somebody else in prison that owed him a smaller debt. The purpose in God's patience, in other words, his, his patience towards us is that it's supposed to motivate us to be patient towards others. So far we've seen that the kind of patience the Spirit wants to cultivate in our lives is a, is a patient towards others. To be patient is to be long-suffering. It's to, to express the same compassion and kindness with others that God has expressed to us. But how do we grow in patience? First of all, receive from Christ. This should not be any surprise to you since this is pretty much the first point in every part of the, every sermon. You know, We grow in patience by receiving the fruit of patience from Christ. You know, this is the first point. It's always the first point because remember we're talking about fruit and we only bear fruit as a byproduct of abiding in Christ. We can only grow in this kind of patience by reading his word, by praying, by depending on his strength and by developing, by asking him to develop patience in us. You need to remain connected and focused on Christ which brings us to the second way we grow in patience which is by recognizing God's patience with us. When you understand how much patience God has extended towards you, it should motivate you to extend patience to others. Just like we saw in Jesus' parable of the unforgiving or the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18. Paul in Colossians 3, 12 and 13 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
Why are we to show compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness? Why are we to show patience to each other? Why are we to bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances we may have with each other? Simply because the Lord forgave you. And sometimes we feel that a particular person doesn't deserve our patience. Well, remember, patience is extended to others for their benefit. For their benefit. It isn't about what they deserve. It's about what God has done and what he's doing. What he wants to do. So when you start to think that way, just ask yourself this question, do I deserve God's patience? No, you don't. I don't. No one deserves God's patience, but but he extends it to us anyway, and we should do the same to each other. You know, it's true that some people require more patience than others. That's a reality. I'm not trying to skim over that reality. But the patient required, the patience required of you will never equal the patience extended to you by God. So out of your love and your appreciation for the patience that God gives to you, be patient with others. Let's move on. Thirdly, we realize patience in our lives through practice. It's too bad this is in here. But it's important. Patience grows by experiencing situations that require patience. It's probably why you don't pray for patience that much. You already know this. You know, a young Christian went to an older believer to ask for prayer. You know, will you please pray that I may be more patient, he asked. And the wise Christian agreed. He knelt down together with this man and he began to pray. He said, Lord, send this young man trouble in the morning. Send this young man difficulties in the afternoon. Send this young man, and at which point the young Christian blurted out, No, no, I I didn't ask you to pray for troubles and difficulties. I wanted you to pray for patience. Ah, responded the wise Christian. It's through troubles and difficulties that we learn patience. St. Francis of Assisi once said, No one will ever know the full depth of his capacity for patience and humility as long as nothing bothers him. (laughs) It is only when times are troubled and difficult that he can see how much of either is in him. Is that not true? Is that maybe not, is that maybe some of what's happening in all of our lives? If you have a, a little bit less patience, it's because our circumstances has shown you the reality of how much patience you really do have. Henry Ward Beecher was quoted as saying, there's no such thing as preaching patience into people unless the sermon is so long that they have to practice it while they hear. (laughs) No man can learn patience except by going out in the hurly-burly world and taking life just as it blows. Patience is riding out the gale. Not only have you had to be patient with the length of my sermons, but in this COVID-19 world, you've also had to have patience with the gales that life are presently blowing. It takes practice. Next, regard others as a gift from God to work patience within you. This is an interesting idea to 
that might help, I think. You know, we grow in patience when we have to deal with difficult people, right? We've just learned that patience has to be developed in your life. You must deal with situations to try your patience. If that's the case, then the difficult person who's trying your patience could be sent to you by God. He or she may be a messenger from God sent to develop the fruit of patience in your life. This puts that difficult person in a different light, doesn't it? You know, to ignore that person is to ignore God's opportunity for growth. Think of difficult people as spiritual trainers in God's gym. They're exercising your patience to pump you up. To put it another way, that difficult person isn't going to stop being difficult. And God may very well have more difficult people on their way in line if you don't start getting serious about developing patience. If you're surrounded by difficult people, maybe you need to ask yourself, how patient am I really? You know, is God trying to tell me something? Difficult people are blessings in disguise. Most of them. All of them. Because they help you to grow in Christ. If you remember that, you will become more patient. Finally, remember our story. What do I mean by that? We, we grow in patience by remembering our story. You know, we come together in worship. Because we're part of a story about the patience of Yahweh. Our story is about a God who has worked slowly and persistently, generation after generation, with rebellious, disobedient people. It's a story that began with Abraham and developed over 400 years in Egypt and then 40 years in the wilderness. It's a story that showed God patiently orchestrating events that would keep God's people connected to him. Ultimately, this whole story of God's patience came to rest on Jesus, who who was born in poverty, who lived for 30 years before he began his ministry. Then all the expression of God's patient plan rested on Christ as he went to the cross. And the hope and the power of God's patience was animated in the resurrection of Jesus. And it's found in the promise of his return. What that means is that our God is not a a hurry up and produce kind of God. He is a slow down and be patient God. He's a fruit cultivating God. We really need to know this about him. We really do. Because unless we do, we're not going to understand how he works and who he is. For example... Do you ever feel discouraged by your lack of growth? Do you wonder where life has gone? Are you regularly overestimating what you should accomplish in a day? These are all signs that you don't understand God's story. Do you think God is discouraged by your growth? Was there ever any indication that he was discouraged by Abraham or Joseph or Jacob? What about Gideon? 
There's some serious patience happening in Gideon's story. You know, God's patient. He, he's, he's in no hurry. He's about quality, not quantity. He's about faith, not perfection. You know, if you have faith, he will take care of the perfection. God has a different timetable than you or me. Our God is not a hurry-up kind of God. He's patient. After all, the church age is an age of waiting and working in this time of the yet and the not yet, in this time that fills the gap between Christ's first coming and his, his return. What this means is that built into our lives and our expectations is both longing and hope. Always has been, always will, until he returns. The Christian faith is an uncomfortable place of waiting. It always has been. We just maybe notice it a little bit more today. The Christian faith is an uncomfortable place of waiting, but the point is, while we may consider waiting a waste of time, in God's economy, waiting is the engine that produces change. Waiting is the space needed to produce fruit. Waiting is a gift. Because of COVID-19, we're all waiting now. What if God is using our present circumstances to remind us that the life does not march to our demands or our timetable? We've already all had a, a, a reality check that we're not in control. No matter how much money we have in the bank, no matter how much power we may have, we are not in control. We are not immune. We are all waiting. We have this huge opportunity being presented to us right now. It's life-changing. Corona has forced us to change so many things about how we structure our day, about how we socialize, and what we see is important. The question is, as the church, what are we going to learn from this experience? How will it shape our sense of time and the importance of fellowship? Will the trivial things that used to divide us still divide us, or will we see with new eyes the importance of being patient with one another? Will we understand that we have an opportunity to change into something new if we use this time of waiting for its ultimate purpose, to seek the God who is patient? So we come to our time of communion. I want you to remember that Christians are called to be patient with others for the sake of others. I want you to confess your impatience with others and your impatience with yourself. And yes, even your impatience with a God who is in no hurry. I want you to surrender to this time of waiting and realize that waiting is never a waste if you are waiting before God. In fact, waiting before God is the most productive thing you